Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Yeah, we can say good morning to each other. That's still allowed in these days. Um, what's that? It's not noon yet. It's not noon yet. We can still say good morning. Even though on my body, it does feel like noon. It's 1230 on my clock right now. But we will, we will work through that. Um, so I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there's a thing happening this week. I'm not sure if you heard about this, right? Something's happening this week. Does anyone know what that is? Election. No, not the election. I'm going to Haiti back this week. <laughs> For the first time since COVID and the coronavirus, I get to go back to Haiti. And I am, I am excited for what God's going to do. I'm excited to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm excited to share and experience what God is doing. And through that, he's going to work. But yes, there is this thing called the election this week. And don't think that it doesn't um, go by me. The fact that uh, today in our, in our passage, you're going to read that it says uh, the end is near. All things will be coming to an end, I think, or something to that words. And that Kevin decided to give that to Tom and I, and he took off. So I don't know what exactly that means, but, uh, but I had a little chuckle about that this morning. Uh, but we're going to dive into flourishing in exile further today. So we've been on a journey for this past year and a half of how do we as Christians, as followers of Christ, as people that believe in something so much greater, how do we flourish when we've been pushed to the margins? Uh, we're, we're in, historically, there's been a feeling that you know, we've had a bigger voice, we've had a larger role, and, and now that seems to be diminishing. As we look around, I don't know about you, but for me, I look around, I'm like, what is happening? What is going on? Is this, is this what, I, what I remember or was I just not paying attention? But I think there's been some shifts. And so how do we as followers of Christ flourish in exile? And I think God's going to show up today. I think he's going to show us some things today. So two weeks ago, Tom had the phrase, being different makes the difference. Being different makes a difference. And then Darren led with the phrase of, how do people see me? How do people see me? And we talked about blessing. How do we be a blessing? So first, before we jump into this message, how did that go this week? For anyone that actually did that, participated, blessed somebody in the name of Jesus, maybe outside your comfort zone, is there any, any feedback that you guys want to share. I've got some on my own, but I'm interested to hear some feedback from anyone. Did anyone bless anyone that would be a little bit outside their comfort zone? I see a wave back there. Did you bless someone? I see you waving back there. And I bet you did, because you're a blessing to your mom and dad. I about guarantee you that. But did anyone share that? Any brave souls out here? We're a small group. You know, we can, we can do these sort of things here. Well, I this week, I, I say about four or five times, I intentionally did bless somebody in the name of Christ. Uh, I said, in the name of Jesus, I bless you. And then I said something. Um, two times it kind of went over like a lead balloon, just to be frank. Uh, they kind of just looked at me and, okay. <laughs> um, other two times it got a, a, got a response. But the, the other two that I want to share was, Times where these are people in my past that I have not seen for a while. And I basically, they're doing great things in the world. And what I, I, I did is I blessed them because I know their journey's hard. 
And they both responded back with great appreciation. And there was a connection that was made very quickly by being able to bless people in the name of Jesus. And so as we move into today's message, the question that I want us to ask is, in light of this, being different makes a difference and how do people see me? Now I want to ask, how do I see everything else? How do I see everything else? How do I view my past? How do I view my future? How do I view my here and now? How am I, with the lenses that God has given me, how am I viewing and seeing everything else? And I'm going to teach you a really easy phrase, and this is what we're going to work through today. First, reflect. Say reflect. reflect. Say expect. expect. Say connect. So we're going to reflect. We're going to expect. And we're going to connect. If we want to talk about flourishing in exile, we're going to reflect, we're going to expect, and we're going to connect. We're going to walk through this today. When you walk out of here, those words are going to be in your head. Reflect, expect, connect. And you're going to see how that's going to flourish in exile. So for those that have a Bible, um, the words will be up on the screen, but we're going to be in 1 Peter today. If you have your app, you can pull that up. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the whole thing in one swoop. 1 Peter 1. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 11. And then we're going to come back and, and hit the bite-sized chunks as we go look at the reflect, expect, connects. So this is the word of God. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it is strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living, who are now the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead so that they might be judged according to men regarding to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So reflect. Start with the question, what do you see when you look back? What do you see when you look back on your life? So up there on the screen, for us Lord of the Rings fans, of which I am one of them, this is a character named Schmeagol Gollum. 
Shmigal Gollum is a perfect example of what we're looking at for this week. Because Shmigal Gobbin started off as a hobbit. He was, he was a various race of a hobbit. And his cousin found a ring, which was the ring of power. And he, he got that while they were fishing. And Schmeagel was so overtaken with the need for this ring that he ended up killing his cousin. And because he killed his cousin, he fled to the mountains. He lived in a cave. And that ring of power started to twist him, started to turn him, started to become this evil person that you see now with teeth falling out, gray skin, decrepit, twisted, dark. And what Paul is, Peter, I know I'm going to say, if I say Paul, just know I say Peter. I, the whole time I was like, I, was like, I kept saying Paul because Paul wrote majority of the New Testament. So understand, us up here, we make mistakes too. Peter, when Peter wrote this, the word he used for desires, because you go through when I read this and I read like, okay, debauchery, lust, drunkenness, or like that doesn't 100% apply. I mean, yes, it does apply, but those are like really weird, deep words. And what he was basically saying is he used the word epithemus, epithemus. Epa means focus on, themus means desire. So what he was saying is super desire. It isn't about desiring bad things. It's about having an over desire, this super desire. And Gollum Schmeagel had this over desire for this ring of power. It became as precious. And because of that, it twisted and it turned and it turned him into something he didn't want to become. Go to black screen. So as Christians, oh yeah, if you could just turn that off a second, because I don't want to have Schmeagel Gollum in my background while I'm talking about this. If you can go to dark, you got dark screen? Okay, you can go to that. That's perfect. As Christians, there's a super desire inside of each one of us. One of those is earthly, okay? One of those is, is our human nature. We all have it inside of us. We all know that. You know what that is. You know what's inside of you. Um, growing up with kids, What's fun about kids is you know exactly what they're thinking and where they're at because they don't have enough, like us adults, we disguise it. You know, we put fancy words or some type of buffer in front of it. But I know with my kids, there's certain things that if I let them just go wild on, they will stay in that world forever. Some of it revolves around Netflix. Some of it revolves around PlayStation games. Like they will stay there all the time. They will think about it. They will dream about it. They will go watch it. They will spend hours and hours and hours. Inside of each one of us, there's the same desire. You know what that is. You know what you desire. And that desire doesn't have to always be bad. For example, for me, if I over obsess about this message today, that is actually a sin. If I am so caught up in this, this message because I want to give the best message and, and I want to make sure everyone connects to it and, and it oversees everything and if it just overrides everything in my life, that is actually sin. And so Matthew Kelly, who works with the Catholic Church a lot, he has a saying, and I love this saying. He says, in order for us to say no to anything, we have to have a deeper yes. So Christians, followers of Christ, what's your deeper yes? As you reflect upon your past, and your past can be one of two things. It can be something that you know you've done that brings shame, and you carry this boat anchor with you everywhere you go. And I drag it with me and it throws me into the ocean and pretty soon I try to get out, but I'm dragging this boat anchor of shame. And for others of you, and this is where my category falls into more, is I honestly don't reflect enough upon my sin 
and I keep repeating the same sin over and over and over and over and over. And as much as I try to myself and my earthly ways to tighten up my, 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 my coat and button up and pull up my, my bootstraps and be able to get this done, I can't break free from this sin until there's a deeper yes. And Christians, we have a deeper yes. Go to that, that picture. And that's Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus Christ on the cross. If you read in verses one through four here, what he talks about is therefore, since Christ suffered in the body, this is a reference back to 318 where he talks about Jesus dying on the cross. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered in the body, arm yourself with the same attitude. This week, I've been super intentional about how do I bring the cross, instead of being in my rear view mirror where it's that distant thing, because it's there, but it's, it's behind some other things that are more important in my opinion, but I've tried to bring that closer to the front. And when I have that as my deeper yes, Christ starts to change me. When I've put myself next to Jesus, when you hear the whip whoosh, go and hit his back every time that I've sinned, and I see the flailing of skin where I'm standing right next to that. That changes my attitude towards how I'm going to function today. When I'm next to him, when I see his arms spread out and a stake goes through his arms and it sprays my face and I taste the salt of his blood on my lips, that changes the way that I act today. When I put myself next to Mary, who's on her knees at the foot of the cross and her hand is on his foot and she is crying and she looks right at me and says, why, why did you do this to my son? That changes everything. And for me, when that is in my reflection, my attitude changes because now I realize this anchor that I'm carrying, Christ has already done it. There's no reason for me to carry that anymore. I am free from condemnation, Romans 8.1. And vice versa, if there's anything that's holding power over me today, when I capture it in that moment and I put Jesus right beside me on the cross, it changes the way that I go live my life today. There's a saying that knowing death brings amazing clarity. Either something is very important or not at all. So followers of Christ, what's in your reflection today? Reflect. Now moving on to expect. You can go to that next, the next slide. What do you see when you look forward? What do you see when you look forward? So in about 10 years ago, I was uh, working for Vermeer at the time, and one of my trips that I took uh, took me to India. So I, I spent about three weeks in India doing uh, biomass research on how to make biomass energy out of switchgrass, which I know is super, really, really interesting, and I would love to tell you all the dynamics of that. But I'll, I'll spare you the details of that. But that's why I went to India. But when I, when I went to India, I jumped on a plane. I think we got delayed in Chicago. Surprise, surprise. For any of that travel, getting delayed in Chicago is pretty much a regular occurrence. 
So that got me to be late. So then when I got to Frankfurt, Germany, I literally ran through the airport after an eight-hour flight of being in coach, ran to the airport, jumped in the next plane, 15 minutes between that, that, like, when I got on the plane and when we took off, another eight hours into, into India, landed in Bangalore. It was about 12.30, 1 o'clock at night. Okay, night. Bangalore, India. Alls I have is a name on a piece of paper and a phone number of who I'm supposed to get into contact with at one o'clock in the morning. Not a great plan. I realize this in hindsight. So I get off the plane and I start walking out and there's supposed to be a guy holding the sign saying, you know, brand, pick up, that type of thing. Um, nowhere to be found. Cannot find this person. Nowhere. Um, and so I'm, I'm walking, I'm, I'm trying to find my stuff. And for any of you that have ever been in like a kind of developing country airport. Um, there's lots of people. There's lots of unsavory things that are around you. You start to gather a crowd. I'm, I'm a foot above everybody, number one, because I'm taller than everybody. I'm the only white guy that's around here. And I've got all this luggage and they can obviously see that I'm, I am lost. Um, and I was completely disoriented, completely disoriented because I had no vision of who I was looking for. I had no vision of where I was going. I had no vision of the type of car that I was gonna get into. I had nothing but a phone number. And when that started to happen, what did I do? I actually, I got fearful. I started to not trust anybody. My bags got a lot closer to me. I started to walk them with them really tight. These people that were following me trying to like, hey, do you need a phone, mister? Mister, because my phone doesn't work either because you land internationally and of course your phone doesn't work. And so I'm like, and I literally go through my head. I'm like, I am going to die in India. I've got, I've got a two-year-old and like a newborn at the time. Maybe. Was AJ born? No, AJ wasn't born. But Abby was born. She was young. And, and I'm like, I'm going to die in India. How in the world am I going to get out of this? And so I was completely disillusioned. And when you're in disillusionment, fear starts to creep in. Anxiety starts to creep in. Worry starts to creep in. All those things that the world wants to do on you, it starts to creep in. And so my vision was off on where I wanted to go. And so in verses 5 and up to 7a, he says, But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to body, but live according to God and the Spirit. The end of all things is near. So for us as Christians to flourish in exile, if we don't have a focus on what we're looking for, who, was, who are we actually following? Where are we going? We will very, very quickly fall into fear, anxiety, disillusionment. We will be easily swayed. We will have the latest person we talk to, the latest statistic, the latest piece of data is going to completely derail us unless we have a vision of, go to the next picture, of Jesus Christ as the Lord of heaven's armies. Do you understand that we have a savior that is Lord of the universe? He commands the angels at his fingertips. He will come back to judge the living and the dead. When we have a picture of what God is doing and he's on the throne and where we're gonna go to join him, it changes our future. When bad times come, when things like cancer come, when things like divorce come, when things like death comes, 
We understand what Christ has done for us and where we are going to go be with him. We have an expectation of what the future is. And when we have an expectation of what the future is, we can walk towards it. We don't get off the path. And both of those things are needed. An understanding of where you came from and where you're going. It's kind of like when you were a little kid, at least I was a little kid, I played with magnets. And there's magnets that sometimes come together and there's sometimes those magnets that come apart. And like, I like the ones that try to get together because I'm like, how do you get those together? Keep putting them together. And you have to have both. You have to have the magnet that is your past and your magnet that is your future. And those are opposites. And if you keep those opposites, they're not going to collide, but they're going to be enough that there's this space between that's not going to pull you either direction, right? You're in that space that God has created for you because you understand where I have been and where I'm going and it keeps you in between those two. So church, as as exile comes upon us, as we continue to face hard times, as things seem like we have less and less of a voice, if you understand that Christ who died for you is right behind you and you understand what that looks like and you understand that the king of heaven's armies is in front of you, it changes what what you can flourish in. Because no matter the circumstances, you can flourish. No matter where you're at, you can flourish. So let's go to connect. Say connect. Connect. One more time. Say connect. So now that you understand behind you, you where you reflect, you understand your expect, where you're going, what about, what do you see when you look around you? When you look around you, what do you see? Unfortunately, that's, that's been a lot more in our world lately, that scene that we're looking at. Um, working in Haiti, I've seen that for the last 20 years. Uh, it was a little bit shocking to see that more in the United States, but I have seen that for the last 20 years. And it breaks my heart. But my question is, How do you love around you when this is what you see directly in front of you? How do you walk in that? How do you connect in that? Go to black screen. So in verse seven, he says, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. If you understand where you have come from, you understand where you are going, You will be clear-minded and you will have self-control. The two things we just talked about. So what? So you can pray. What does prayer connect you with? God. Prayer connects you with God. So we start with this connection with God. When tough times come, when things around us don't understand, what's the first thing you do? Is it flip on Fox News or CNN Go post on Facebook. Go talk to one of your friends. Go get a drink of alcohol. Go flip on Netflix. What is it that you do? If you understand where God is leading you and you are clear-minded in self-control, it will lead you to prayer. And when prayer comes in your life, it will start to spill out. And it will then lead to loving deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And let me share this, what, what Peter said. So love deeply, the, the Greek word of this is 
ektene, ektene. Ek means out, and tene means to stretch or strain. So our word tension or tense, is the, that's the root word of tene. And this is an athletic word. And think of it like a straining effort for those that have ever competed or you've worked out where you're like straining and you're working to complete that which is in front of you. It's to be stretched out, to stretch yourself. And so often we think about love and loving deeply as it becomes, it's effortless. It's like that, oh, I found my, my true love and Cupid hit me and it just, oh, it's just there. I just love it. Right? But all of us that have ever been in a relationship know it's far from that. Maybe initially that's something that you had. And if that is, awesome. God, God gave you those sparks. But ultimately you realize if you're going to love over an extended period of time, uh, it's work. It's a stretching love. It stretches you and it stretches others. Who stretched his love out for us? Christ did. When he went up on the cross, he stretched his love out for you. And when you pray, you connect to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, to God, and he will stretch you out. And when you are stretched out, that is when you can love deeply. To offer great hospitality, for those that are awesome at it, it's work. Like I know some people here that are awesome at hospitality. You put work into it. It stretches you. You, you pay some extra money of people that will never pay you back to have them feel comfortable, right? You have people that show up at your doorstep that put you out of maybe now I have to feed them some food or find a place for them to sleep. It stretches you. When you use your gifts, are you using your gifts for yourself or are you going to use it in service to others? Is it going to stretch you enough to say, you know what, I'm going to go beyond myself. I'm going to stretch myself so that I can go give to others. Because real love uses the gifts and talents that God has given you in a way that stretches you so that you can connect with others. Just like the blessing thing that I said at the beginning of the morning, all right? That's a stretching exercise for some of us. It's, it's maybe hard. We're like, should I say that? Should I not? I don't know. But when you do and you realize that stretched me, my love just got deeper. My love with that person just got deeper. They connected with me. I connected with them. God's going to stretch you. And here's one thing I can tell you right now. God doesn't need another Mother Teresa he doesn't need another Martin Luther King. He doesn't need another Peter or Paul. He needs you and your story and your gifts and talents and your, your background of what you've gone through and your vision of what God has given you. And he needs to use those and, and you need to use those in his service because he needs you uniquely gifted for such a time as this. You have been given this story to connect to other people and not for your own glory. Because as it says in, at the end of verse 11, so that all things God may be praised and he will receive the honor and the glory. When we do that, 
Jesus receives the honor and the glory. And that's what we want. That's how we flourish in exile, people. How do we give our testimony? We live our life in a way that understands where we came from, where we're going, how we're used, how we're uniquely gifted so that we can connect with others in Christ Jesus and he gets the glory. Real love stretches. Real love suffers. Real love serves. Put that last slide up of the washing of the feet. And he gets the glory. As you connect, is this the vision you have of connecting? Do you connect by washing each other's feet? So say reflect. Reflect. Say expect. Expect. Say connect. This is how we flourish in exile. I'm going to invite the the worship team up, and I want to close with a, a story that just hopefully will connect everything for everybody. So this summer, uh, I had the opportunity uh, with my son and I to go to the Grand Canyon. So some of you have heard me talk about this maybe in the, in the sanctuary or even in here. Um, when my kids turn 10, we take them on a 10-year adventure. Part of it's I want them to understand that they're going to go on an adventure with their father. We're going to go do something that's, that's way out of their comfort zone and push them. And so for my son, AJ, he turned 10 and we looked around at what, what could be possible and, and what kind of his dreams and visions are. And, and we landed on, let's go to the Grand Canyon. Now, so for the Grand Canyon, there's a lot of different ways you can view the Grand Canyon. One of those is you can go to a welcome center. And in this welcome center, you know, you got these walls. They got cool videos up on there. They've got some stuffed animals of the animals you're going to see down there. They've got artifacts from, from the Grand Canyon. They've probably got some rocks. They've got some history lessons, all those things. And, you know, you can go to the Grand Canyon and you can go to this welcome center and you can be safe and secure and you can learn about the Grand Canyon. And you're on the Grand Canyon and you're in the welcome center. But that's not what we did. So we decided that we were going to go whitewater rafting through the entire Grand Canyon, 225 miles in a raft, AJ and I and some others going through the Grand Canyon. And in that Grand Canyon, there is, I think there's 67 different rapids. Um, The water, 48 degrees. I did not know that. Uh, 48 degree water. Um, You sleep under the stars. You basically pull your canoe, your, 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 raft up to the beach whenever you get so far down the road and you go put a tent out. Well, we didn't even put the tent out. We just put the cot out and we slept under the stars. Nothing around you, nothing there. When you view the Grand Canyon, you see the history by the rocks that are right there in front of you and you see how far down that river has come. Instead of looking at the stuffed animals, I, I, we actually saw the rams and the, the what was the bird? The, the roadrunners, and we saw, we saw the wildlife. When we hiked in the canyons, we actually went and we sweated a lot, and we saw the rocks, and we went high up, and we saw the flowers, and we experienced that. And for five days, we heard this thing called Lava Falls, which I didn't know what Lava Falls was going there, but Lava Falls is the largest rapid in North America. I think you dropped 36 feet in like... 20 meters, something like that. Like basically just straight downhill. And we go over that. 
So for five days, they build up to Lava Falls. And again, you can watch a video of Lava Falls. You can read about Lava Falls. But there ain't nothing like experience Lava Falls. And we saw this anticipation. And AJ and I got to experience this together. We're now we connected with each other, the other people that were in our group. We didn't just read about it, feel about it, see about it in a welcome center. We actually did it. Christians, too many of us have settled for the welcome center of being a Christian. We're on the mountain. We, we've gone to the canyon where, where we've said yes to Jesus, but instead of actually going on the adventure to actually go experience this, we've said, ah, let's go to that welcome center and that's good enough, right? I mean, it's safe, it's secure, it's sound. It feels good. People around me, this is good. And what Christ is asking of us and he is begging of us is to go on the adventure with him to actually go on the river. Go experience this. Yes, you're going to get cold at times. Yes, you're going to get cut at times. Yes, you're going to sweat at times. Yes, you're going to be hungry at times. But you're going to be on a venture with your father. And there's these awesome things, and they're going to be tough, and sometimes the boat might even overturn, but I'm going to be there with you. There's a better future to come. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be there with you. Folks, right now, the issue right now, what's going on with a lot, of, a lot of us Jesus followers is our welcome center's on fire. What we thought was the adventure, it was fake, and it's on fire. And so a lot of us are having to run out of that welcome center. And now we're standing there looking around like, well, do we, do we go back? Do we go back into that welcome center? Do we actually start hiking down the mountain here, the, the, the ravine? Or do I just say, screw it all. I'm going to jump on my car and, and just go live with everybody else. We have a choice to make. And I pray that as we look at flourishing in exile, you think about this. Reflect. Reflect on what Christ has done. Put him near you. Feel his blood dripping off of him. Smell the blood and the dirt and the sweat in him, when you do, that changes everything. Think about the Lord of heaven's armies that is on top of the mountain that's going to come down and run towards that. You might not get fully there in this life, but you're going to get there in eternity. I want to be running towards that. I don't want to be running towards something that doesn't matter. I want to be running towards the Lord's of heaven's armies. You know what? How do you love people that are different than you, that are destroying things, that are, that are saying things that you don't believe in? You say, you know what? The Lord's of heaven's armies is gonna come down and he will judge that. All I'm called to do is love you. I am stretched out now to love you. He stretched out for me. I put him on that cross. I have no right to judge them. I am gonna stand here and I'm gonna love you no matter where you're at. Because when that happens, you will connect in a way that is, will blow your mind. You connect with your heavenly father and you connect with others. And he will take you to places and stretch you. And I can tell you it's good. <laughs>